0: Welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner Brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM The Word I'm Roberta Foster And today I welcome Dr. Bill Thrasher to Author's Corner And he has written the book How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life Which is published by Moody Publishers And he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Dr. Thrasher He is... A graduate professor of Bible and theology at Moody Theological Seminary and is a frequent speaker for churches and retreats across the country. He's written a number of books, and his ministry interests include campus discipleship, singles ministry, and evangelism. And thank you so much for being with us today, Bill.
1: Well, I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you very much.
0: Well, on the back of your book and in the materials that were sent to me you have this statement how to resurrect a dead prayer life takes us from death and drudgery to joy-filled hope and intimacy with God and prayer is a battle and it's sometimes very hard to get into the mode of wanting to pray Uh, why is it so hard for us as people to do that
1: well, I think obviously there's spiritual opposition to yes. it because obviously prayer is the way God accomplishes something. When God wants to do something, he puts a prayer burden on somebody's mm-hmm. heart, and that person prays, and that's what sets the work of God in motion. So He inspected it to be a battle. But I think sometimes we forget the divine enablement in it, and that's what I've tried to underscore in this book, that it's not just a human experience. Um, just as God says to walk by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, he also says to pray in the spirit, mm-hmm. and I've tried to outline various ways of what that means and how we can appropriate that in our prayer life.
0: First of all, you talk about a dead prayer life. So, how do we go about identifying if our prayer life is dead?
1: And uh, certainly, that title is not in any way speaking down at anybody. I'm really talking about was talking about my own experience after uh, discovering uh, Christ as my Savior, and even. Uh, years later, really discovering the enablement of God's Spirit and learning to pray and building the discipline of prayer in my life. But as I went over the through the years, people said, "Pray for this. Pray for this. Pray for this." I tried to pray for it, and I remember there was one day I was just drowning in the in the activity of prayer and realized that, Lord, you know, uh, I think the greatest gift you could give me is just take this whole burden off my back. If you ask me to summarize. What I learned about prayer, I said two things keep coming out very clearly. One is prayer is very, very, very important. i bought into that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is you need to discipline yourself to do it, and you should. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, if there's more to it than prayer is important, you need to discipline yourself to do it. Our founder, D.L. Moody, many, many, years ago said he had rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach, and he was the greatest preacher of his day. Mm. So, you know, those those commands in relation to the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, Uh, walk by the Spirit, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit. That put me in an adventure. Lord, would you show me how to appropriate the Holy Spirit in regard to motivating, guiding, and empowering my prayer life? So, really, you know your prayer life has died, like me, when you're praying and you're not really expecting anything to happen. If you're praying and not expecting anything to happen, sooner or later you'll ask yourself the question, why pray?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, how do we learn to get beyond just the requirement of prayer and get to the desire to pray?
1: Well, I think you you'll you'll get further ahead if you come to God, as unflattering as that is, so I'll speak of it in relationship to myself. If you come to God and say, God, I confess in and of myself, I don't care about anybody but me. What's in it for me governs everything I do. And yet God says um, He desires heartfelt prayer. You know, he rebukes the Pharisees. You people honor me with your lips, your heart is far from me. Um, he, The prophet Isaiah said, there's no one who arouses himself to take hold of God. So you come to God, you you confess, Lord, you confess your needs. See, God gives wonderful promises to the needy. He says in Psalm 72, 4 and 5, save the children of the needy. Always felt like my children qualified. Uh, mm-hmm. Psalm 107, 41 40, and 42, he says, he sets the needy securely on high away from affliction uh he says in jeremiah 10 23 it does not lie within us to direct our path so i'm a sheep i need a shepherd um, he says if you want to be wise you gotta admit you're foolish so come to god in need come to god in need and mm-hmm. uh open your life up and let his spirit begin to help you see a need feel a need live with that but then also, with God, I have to admit my helplessness to do anything about it. I can't change my own life, much less anybody else's mm-hmm. life. But you cry out to God with the fervency that God is producing in you as you see this need, as you feel this need, and you get out of the way, don't scheme, uh, and you cry to God with that fervency, and God will work. That's the beginning, or whatever, of um, experiencing the motivation of the Holy Spirit.
0: mm and, Bill, how important is humility when we um, get to the place of prayer?
1: Well, you know, there's a little, little verse in, in the prophet Zephaniah, that uh, short-minded prophet, and he it says in Zephaniah 2, verse 4, to seek humility. You know, I have a whole chapter in the book about how do you seek humility. Mm-hmm. It sounds counterintuitive, but I give several points about how to seek uh, humility. Surely it means to admit your need. You know, the thing that, that is most nauseous to God more than anything else is not that, okay, I'm needy, not that, oh, God, I don't feel inadequate. That's okay. It's when what? It's when we come to God and consciously or unconsciously tell him, I really don't need you. He, The, the, the most serious rebuke he gives those seven churches uh, is the, the last one there, Laodicea, when he says it. Because mm-hmm. you say, I'm rich, and I've become rich, and I have need of nothing. He says, that lukewarm state, I want to spit you out of my mouth. So you see, we, we come to God admitting your need. Uh, if you come to God and you're fearful and you're not talking to God about that fear, you're not praying. If you come to God and you're anxious, you're not talking about that anxiety, you're not praying. If you come to God and you're struggling with with, with anger and hurt in your life, and you're not crying out to God to put His healing touch upon that hurt, you know, you're, you're not praying. So... That's a good part to start with your need. C.S. Lewis says, the prayer that precedes all prayer is this, let it be the real I who speak. Let it be the real thou I speak to. Mm-hmm. So come to God admitting your need. I have some other points there, too, in that chapter four of the book that talks about how to seek humility.
0: Amen. Well, today I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Bill Thrasher regarding his book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, which is published by Moody Publishers. And you're listening to Author's Corner, and I'm Roberta Foster. Um, What about scriptures that can encourage one in trusting God to restore them to the place of his full blessing and enjoy that time of fellowship and prayer with him?
1: You know, uh one of the scriptures that that God has uh, blessed me with in recent years is is when God is talking to His disobedient people there uh, in the Old Testament Ezekiel thirty six and uh, he they have it says you've profaned my name. Uh, he's brought them out of the land. The land was the place of blessing, the place that they were experiencing the promises of God. He says you're out of the land, and he says for his namesake, for his glory. Really, I'm paraphrasing from Ezekiel 36, verse 20 and following For my name's sake, I'm going to act for my namesake. I'm going to bring you back into the land. I'm going to restore you, whatever. See, God wants to restore you for the glory of his name to his full blessing. Um, and so believe God for that. You know, uh, these are the questions that I found helpful that I've asked myself and I've asked many, many other people, too. Is there one area that you fully obeyed, if it would bring down all barriers and bring you into the full blessing of God? Mm. Uh, another question, is there anything God told you to, has told you to stop doing? Is there anything God has told you to start doing? And then is there any reason not to do what God has said? Mm. So um, uh, anything between you and God, the great cry of the Welsh revival, um, when Evan Roberts gave that challenge that produced ultimately a revival that shook the world, he, he basically gave them four challenges, to confess and forsake any known sin, um, to confess and forsake any doubtful habit, to determine, to obey the first promptings of the Spirit in your private moment, and to, and also to acknowledge Christ in your public moment. Mm-hmm. So God wants to restore you. He delights to restore you. He delights mm-hmm. to forgive you. He wants to bring you. God is even dreaming up what He wants to do for His disobedient people, mm-hmm. if, you re- if you read Psalm 81. Uh, they didn't listen to him, and oh, that you would listen to me. He wants to feed you with the finest of the wheat. So God wants to restore you. God is the most reconcilable person you'll ever be in a relationship with. Mm. It's He who says, "Draw near to Me, and I'll draw near to you." He's talking to people whom He's called you spiritual adulterers. You you made mm. yourself a friend of the world, become an enemy of God. But He holds out His arms like the father of the prodigal son, and says, "What? Draw near to Me, and I will draw near to you."
0: Mm. Well, Bill, we recognize that Christians find themselves in despair at times, uh, overcome by temptation at other times. And so when we find ourselves in these places, how can our prayer life transform our um, emotional being?
1: Well, that's a a great question, you know. And I think really um, your temptations, uh, you know, temptation is an attempt to, um, a deceitful attempt or a deceitful invitation to draw you away uh, to meet a legitimate need in an unrighteous way. The um, And so God says, I want you to uh, take your temptations and always let your temptations draw you into what? Conversation with mm-hmm. Him. Um, you know, one of the um, uh, most thrilling principles that God has, has shown me and is something I use every day and I've had the privilege of sharing with thousands of people, it's just simply this, Um to take your temptations and not only turn them into conversations with God, but it's like this dear godly man on the West Coast. He was leading people to Christ from a lot of different hard backgrounds. Here's what he told him. He says, now that you've come to Christ from these hard backgrounds, you're going to be tempted to go back to some of those wrong choices. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek God. I want you to ask Him. To give you a prayer burden a prayer request that every time you're tempted to go back to that same wrong choice i want you to take it as a prompting to pray mm-hmm. this prayer request that god's given you and let it be a prayer that will damage satan's kingdom as god answered it he talked about how amazingly that, that helped people and you know that has helped me too mm-hmm. every day um it's as simple as you know the idea you use the temptation to do something wrong to become the motivation to do the godly thing uh, i mean every time you were tempted to have an impure thought if a mother or father prayed for the purity of their children. Every time you're attempted to be anxious, you prayed in a sense for the peace of your of your fellow fellow believers. Every time you attempt to be discouraged, you prayed for the encouragement of your Christian workers. So You know, it's that simple. Like if you and I devise prayer, sometimes we'd we'd like to pray from our pride, like, Lord, I've got it together, and I whip everybody else in (laughs) shape. But God says, no, I want you to what? Pray from your weakness. Take your temptations, and they can become the great strength and and power of your Mm -hmm. prayer life.
0: What a beautiful way to end our time of conversation. So, um, Bill, tell our listeners how they can find out more about your book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life.
1: Well, certainly you can go to Moody Publishers. You can also go to my own website, www.victoriouspraying.com. Click on Books, and it will list all the books, including this book. And it will give you a link, an Amazon link, or a Moody Publishers link of where you can order the book. So uh, I pray you can. I pray for the readers of the book every day. And I pray that God would greatly bless you as you read.
0: And so one more time, the book today is How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, written by Bill Thrasher. And we certainly thank Moody Publishers for sending us a copy of the book to talk about. And thank you so much for being with us today, uh, Bill Thrasher
1: my delight. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And if you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can certainly find it on your favorite podcast provider or KNEO.org. Join us again next time on Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster.
1: world is in chaos, you're here for a purpose. What does the Bible have to say about it all? I'm Mark Taylor, host of Crosspoint, podcast and radio show, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I navigate the complexities of faith, culture, and personal growth. Each week, I interview a different guest who is making an impact on the culture of for God's kingdom. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, true information, or a fresh perspective, This podcast equips you to discern truth in today's chaotic world. When Christianity intersects with everyday life, that's where you'll find Crosspoint, sometimes discussing the issues that some churches don't want to talk about. Look up Crosspoint with Mark Taylor wherever you get your podcast. produced by KNO Radio and the Sky High Podcast Network.